I'm going to talk to you about praying, and our first session in this new series is, is called When You Pray. Not if you pray, but when you pray. But before I get into prayer, I want to talk to you about an affection that, not infection, affection that I've had over the years. I love radios. I love radio, okay? And I love watches, okay? And I love instruments, and I love Kim. Um, but radios are cool. Uh, you know, when I, when I have like a cross-country drive or something, or, you know, from here to LA or from here to San Diego or here to, to Vancouver, BC, you know, I just love being able to tune in, you know, and, and hear the radio. And standard radio that we listen to, AM or FM radio, is one directional. The, you are having information beamed at you, and your job is to hear it and enjoy it or rebel, and turn it, change the station, whatever, but it's one-dimensional. And so I remember that way back in the, in the dark ages, uh, there was a time when people were running all over town with CB radios. Did any of you ever get caught up in the CB craze? And it was cool, you know, breaker, breaker, this is Groundhog. That was my, I, I was, that, that's what I named myself was Groundhog. And so, to shorten it, someone go, hi, this is Hog, you know. And uh, don't call me that now or I'll punch you in the nose, okay? But anyway, so you'd have these linears and these guys that would just have these big radios. And when they'd key, he would just step on every other radio. <laughs> and they go, you're going to listen to me for a while. You know, so you'd have those radios. So I was also into shortwave radio. And, and, uh, and so I, I stretched out a 70-foot single uh, wire. Uh, and I hooked it, and it was an, it was an antenna. And, and I remember uh, waiting up and, 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 you know, going into the wee hours of the morning uh, with the radio, listening to Radio Israel, listening to uh, Radio Australia out of Canberra, uh, Australia, listening to Radio Jakarta out of Indonesia. And, and that was a thrill to me to be able to pick up signal from those far uh, stations. Uh, Radio Moscow was all over everywhere. That wasn't a big deal if you picked them up because the Soviets had them beaming from, uh, from Kamchatka on, on the west coast or the east coast of Russia and also from the Bahamas. So if you picked up Radio Moscow, you didn't go, oh, wow, I got Moscow. Everybody goes, that's in shortwave. Like, oh, yeah, big deal. They're, they're blasting everywhere. Or Radio America, same thing. But these other ones, and you'd pick them up, and, and it was like, great. You know, you're hearing... And many times you'd hear broadcast in another language. You didn't know what language it was. It just was, sounded like someone was dropping their silverware or something, you know. The, you just didn't understand what they were saying. But then there was a type of radio called a ham radio, which was a two-way radio for far distances. And I remember back when Randy Ziegler was in Guayaquil, Ecuador, and the Internet wasn't, wasn't available. You didn't have cool stuff like WhatsApp where you can just talk to people or FaceTime. And for missions work, man, communications today, so inexpensive, so awesome, so advanced. Well, this was the dark ages. And so what would happen is sometimes Randy would find a ham operator in Guayaquil and he would beam up into the States and maybe he'd catch Houston or Miami and he would have the person call me 
And so I'd get a phone call and they'd say, hi, this is, you know, Rick Smits and, you know, WDZ, whatever. Uh, and I'm a ham operator uh, operating out of Omaha or operating out of Miami. And I have a friend that I'm patching you in, your friend Randy Ziegler. And it was really kind of cool because we would be able to then spend plenty of time sharing information and we had that two-way exchange. It's very interesting because I found that to me, prayer is like radio, okay? And it's meant to be not just, there's, there's a signal beamed to you, but there's a signal beam to you and there's a desire for beaming back. This, this is not just, you know, and I've, I've thought about, about radio and conversation. Because some people, they want to only listen and not respond. Other people only want a radio that they can yap on and, and they don't even need a receiver because they don't want to hear. <laughs> and then there are those that want to give and want to take. Now, I'm going to just use this metaphor, this word picture, to take it into prayer. Some people only see prayer as me telling God how life really sucks. And if he'd only been here from time to time, he would know it. Okay? It, I've never been a part of the Trinity, in case you've wondered. But I think that kind of prayer, if, if I were Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, would be called boring. Because... Do we have any humans here? I mean, people who actually live in the earth? Because sometimes people come to church and they, they transpose into some weird thing, demi-angel, you know? But I don't know about you, but running down the road of life, there's a lot of unpleasant jolts every day. I don't like that negative confession. I don't like having to give it, but I, sometimes I feel like I need to inform people that don't get narcissistic, only you have trouble. Everybody that breathes on the globe faces physical challenges, faces emotional challenges. We, we're cyclical, even guys. You know, well, you know, my wife's real cyclical. So are we. Man, I just don't have anything to blame it on. And in life, it's pleasant and unpleasant. And when we understand that God is the one who initiates prayer, he doesn't want to get involved with a dysfunctional stupidity match with you. In, in case you, you, you need to check, look at your hands. Do you see like holes where you were on the cross? You weren't. You're a benefactor of the ultra-brilliant God of the heavens and earth who has come to save you and invite you into a dialogue where, watch this, you don't hokey-doke him into coming to your level and meeting your lusts, but you find he stretches you, he changes you. If there's two in the conversation, only one is going to change. I am the Lord, I change not. And so what happens, I've had phone conversations. 
There, there, years ago, there was a situation where a lady would call and she would just start talking and, and one of our associate pastors said, he learned to put the phone down, go, go to the bathroom, come back, make a sandwich and pick it up. And she was still talking, not aware of all that he got accomplished. My vote is I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that if I call you on the phone. I don't want to be that in the foyer. I don't want to be that person that you feel like you would rather get shot by an assassin than have to hear this craziness. We don't want to be that way with God. We want to be people that have a two-way radio relationship. Like Samuel. You know, Samuel, Samuel, yes, Lord, you know, speak to me. Your servant uh, hears. I want to be able to have a prayer life that is a two-way relationship. Now, just to give you kind of a background, in, 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 because nobody wants to hear someone talking about snow driving that's never left Oahu. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a guy can live in, in, in Honolulu and he can study you know, snow driving, but man, I, if I want to learn about snow driving, I want someone from North Dakota or Minnesota where occasionally they get summer. That's who I want to hear. If I'm going to hear about prayer, I want to hear, hear it from a, a person whose life has been significantly shaped by prayer and believes in it, not just book learning. So I'm going to start with a bit of anecdotal evidence. And that is, in, in my life, first time that I ever recall hearing the voice of the Lord was probably prior to being five years old. My, uh, my uh, Aunt Lorraine uh, took us to vacation Bible school in a little church in Phoenix. And I remember that as they gave the little uh, wordless Bible, it was, a, the, you know, black is the color of your sins, red is the color of the blood of Jesus, and blue is the color of heaven. I remember hearing that, and I remember feeling a different presence, because my mom and dad weren't saved yet. And so they got saved in 1959 or 1960, when I was four or five, and, uh, and it just changed our family radically. My Uncle Leo, uh, he, he was uh, a Christian before my mom and dad got saved and was part of that prayer team, believing them in. But my dad had a battle all of his life until he got set free, even attending here. He finally overcame depression. He had blue moods to where it would just paralyze him. And dad was in his 60s, and he was still trying to figure out what he wanted to do when he grew up. And so I found that as a little guy, I wanted to please my dad. One, I loved him then. Number two, I still love him, even though he's not on the earth. I still love him. I honor him. Gene will always be my hero. But he, he struggled with depression. And so I found that, that my way of coping with this was I never wanted to bring my sorrows. I saw dad struggling with his sorrows, so I buried mine. And like if I lost a wrestling match, you know, and I came home, how did it go? It went well. I, I never shared 
my heartaches. I never shared my anxieties. I only shared my victories. Well, all of a sudden, you know, as a church kid, I, I loved God. But then in a March day in 1971, the Lord made himself real to me, and I stepped into what I call my adult conversion. 16, I immediately, as I opened up to God, you know, he, he opened up the realm of the Spirit. And I used to spend a considerable amount of days off and on fasting and praying. And I was a sophomore in high school, and I would walk the halls of Ashton High School. And I was in a growth spurt physically, and I was denying my, my, my food. And I would say, I'm hungrier for the things of God than I am for even natural food. And what God did was he opened up my hearing ear. And all of a sudden, it was like, I wasn't just a guy trying to hear the radio. I was a guy that could hear the radio, could speak, and converse. That's our goal in these 21 days, is to not like outshine each other. Who can top that whopper testimony? How about just the fact, wouldn't it be great if we could all get our radios working? If we could all hear from God, we could all commune with the Lord. And so what happened was God began to speak to me. And so I immediately gave myself to the youth group. And, and I, I was like a, a small version of Johnny. I'd bring families that would come and join the church and stuff. And, uh, but when I was 18, I'm, I'm facing the fact that I need to uh, find out what my life is going to be. And so I went to youth camp at, up at uh, Drain, Oregon. And uh, so it was time to play softball, and I told my guys, go ahead. And I went off into the dorm, and uh, I began to just say, God, I, I need your help. I can't see around corners. And, uh, and, and he didn't say anything. And finally, I thought, well, I'll just lay down and I'll read the Bible. So I had a beautiful little Bible that my mom had given me, and I flopped it open. This is Pentecostal. We all do it. This is how we know if you're really a Pentecostal, you have to flop open your Bible and get guidance. And my Bible flopped open to Luke 4.18, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, set the oppressed free. That has been so much of what has happened at Joy. 16 years old, or 18 years old. He said, I've called you with the same ministry that I had. And how many of you know, one of the ways that you're hearing God is God has no problem with specificity. And he said to me, I want you to stay in town for one year. This time next year, I will come and I will guide you to the Bible college I want you to go to. And I listened to what I heard. Oh, did God talk through the, the naughty pine uh, uh, paneling? No, he didn't. No, I've never heard an audible voice. I've only heard voices in my head. <laughs> that you begin to understand that's God speaking. If you get an audible voice, great. But what happened, he said, I will guide you next year. That time next year, 
he opened up the door to a Bible college I'd never even heard of called Portland Bible College, and I'm still 40 years later in relationship. Those are my brothers. God led me. And God has significantly led that way. Radio, receiving, transmitting. Long introduction. Let's get quickly into some scripture. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. We see in Luke 11, 1, that as, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Think of it, slide two. How could they ask him to teach them how to pray when they saw him rise early to pray, stay up late to pray, and they saw results? But he had not formally taught them to pray. So eventually they asked him to teach them how. Now I want to tell you that typically you pose a question, you answer the question. I'm going to pose a question and I'm not going to answer the question, so pay attention till we get to the end of the message, which will be in an hour and 35 minutes. No, it'll be a lot shorter. Why did he wait so long? That doesn't seem like good teaching. There was a reason that we're going to find out why Jesus waited and didn't just teach them formally how to pray until he'd modeled and modeled and exampled it, demonstrated it, we see that Jesus was a notable man of prayer. Luke 3.21, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened. Let me just say this. Many people want the heavens to open without prayer. I wish God would change my job. I wish God would this. I wish God that. I wish God, I wish. If wishes were fishing, we'd have a lot of cleaning to do. What we need are open heavens, and that comes with prayer. And when Jesus was being baptized, the heavens were opened as he prayed. Luke 5, 16 says, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Why did he go in the wilderness? Because there weren't any people there. Let me just say this. We love people. We need, if we're going to engage people, we need to be prayed up. But being with people when you're flat out of juice doesn't even look well. Some people, when they're flat out and their battery's completely discharged, they manifest attitudes they wouldn't if they had a chance to get refreshed. And I didn't want to talk about Kim. Let's move on. Uh, no, I was thinking of myself, actually. How many of you are human and you find out if you're low in your spiritual battery that sometimes your family suffers, people around you suffer, you manifest attitudes that you don't want to. And so we see that Jesus would often go into the wilderness and pray to get his battery recharged with the Father. Now one time in Luke 6, 12, when he was, uh, went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. So that was not something that was unusual for Jesus. He would pray all night. Now, in this same uh, uh, light, we see in Luke 9, 18, and it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him, and he asked them, saying, who do the crowds say that I am? Now, 
the, the last two portions that I read, in Luke 6, 12, when the Lord prayed all night, God gave him the names of the 12 apostles that were going to be the foundation of the New Testament church. It ended up being 11 because Judas betrayed. Many people think Paul was that last one that should have been put in there. I personally feel Paul was, even though he didn't literally walk with Jesus. We see that prayer was, was how Jesus received the guidance of who to select. And then the, the, in the next portion, in Luke 9, 18, it's, it's uh, parallel to Matthew 16, that Jesus is praying, and then out of the blue, I think he had an insight from the Father, ask him who you are. And that famous passage announcing Christ's intent to build his church, Jesus has that. Starts what? Who, who, do, who do men say I am? And the next thing is, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow. And upon that, that rock of truth, I'm going to build my church. Birthed in prayer. How many of you, th <laughs> How many of you think that, you know, you could stand up and testify, you know, I just pray too much, and I've pretty much ruined my life by praying too much. How many could say, you know, I think I've had chunks of my life stolen because I didn't pray hardly at all? How many of you are not going to be honest no matter what I ask? <laughs> Do you ever make really major bad decisions when you're fully prayed up and seeking God and submitted? I find out that when, when the flesh which Jesus said is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When we give energy to the flesh and not to the spirit, we make bad, bad choices. Okay. We see that, uh, I won't read this portion, but in Luke 9, 28 through 32, that he, he, and, he takes Peter, John, and James up to the mountain to pray while he's praying on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. It wasn't called that at the time. It was called that after the time. While he's praying, his face was altered, and it began to gleam white and glistening. And two men who happened to be Moses and Elijah showed up to encourage him and speak about his suffering and his passion, meaning his crucifixion that was about to be accomplished at Jerusalem. How many of you know that your countenance has changed when you spend time in prayer? We see uh, in slide six that significant things happened when he prayed, when Jesus prayed. At his baptism, the heavens opened and he rece received the confirmation from his father as he prayed. And I want to tell you that, that for me, um, my dad loved me with everything he had, my natural dad, but it was I found myself when I, when I went to my spiritual father. I was thinking about little kids, specifically the little bomber of Riley and Natalie's, little Wesley. A lot of times you're trying to give him something good and he runs. Don't you love little kids? Like, how can legs that long tire people with legs that long? Like two little pistons, and they run away. And the game is you got to chase them down to even give them good things. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Isn't that us? 
Oh, no, just you, Pastor. We're all more spiritual than you are. Why do we run away from the good things of God? We see, I'm skipping a little bit, that in John chapter 11, he was talking to the Lord, and it was when Lazarus was being raised. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Wow. Wow. Prayer is an assumed practice of believers. That's why we are teaching when you pray, not if you would pray. Prayer is not just there for, for your times of need. Prayer are there so that you know your communication systems prior to your time of need. I remember as a young man, I'd go from here to Portland. I'd never check the tires. I'd never check the oil. I'd never check the water. And then all of a sudden, you become your dad. My kids, you know, they're at the house, and I go, they're going to Central Point. It's a long journey, you know. And I'm telling Riley and Natalie, drive carefully. And then Johnny does need it. I say, Johnny, that oil light, that doesn't tell you you're anointed. That tells you your car is going to blow up. <laughs> and I find that as you get older, you begin to anticipate things that you need. And so you make sure that you have skin on your tires. You make sure that the brakes aren't the car in front of you. You make sure that you have things called, you know, Traction devices, also known as chains, either that or AAA. And so many times people feel like they don't need to pray until there's a problem. And yet in Luke 18, 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. See, what, I don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the day. I know that I have a father that loves me with all of his heart and being. And I know that the church universal is going to be glorious and we're going to beat the devil. But I've had too many phone calls where someone that we all love suddenly passes away. And I've got a grieving widow or a grieving husband they need me to not be discharged. Well, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot to pray about. Things are going good for me. Wow, that sounds real generous. Well, I don't need to be generous. There's plenty of food for my family. That sounds really redneck. How about we prepare a portion for those who have none? It's not just enough that we make enough food that I can feed my four and no more. I need to have enough food that someone wanders in or Johnny brings in the children of the corn that he's discipling. And there's plenty for everybody. Huh? 
How about, how about the anointing of God and, 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 and being full of the Holy Spirit so that, that, that you're going, man, I'm topped off. Topped off and doing good. Uh-oh, here's a storm. Maybe not even in your life. When, when you really go beyond just being self-centered, you begin to realize that all around us, you know, we, we send grief notices. I had to send a grief notice this morning to a friend. Lost his wife. Second time, lightning struck twice. And I felt good that he writes back, I love you guys, I miss you. How many of you know that being prayed up isn't just about yourself. Being prayed up is about other people. Some of, the, some of you are getting a little nervous because I'm, I'm taking my time and I need to conclude at some point here. Why should we pray? Well, one thing is Jesus told us to pray. The Bible tells us, Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. What does that mean? Well, watchful means to be aware of what's going around you. I was talking to some pastors a couple weeks ago. I said, how many of you guys take the local paper? And none of them did. I said, you know, I'm going to urge you guys to take the paper again. I said, most of the time, we don't get a chance to read the paper. But I said, if I'm called to be a watchman in the city, and I don't even know what the local news is, because I'm only listening to national news, I'm not going to be able to pray and affect change in the valley. Watch and pray. Know what's going on in the culture. Well, you know, our school district's really good. Really? We've had a cultural freefall. Somebody doesn't have a good school district. And most of the time, dry rot never sent me an announcement. It happens slow. And a watchful, praying person needs to pray for their family. Lord, only you know Jake, Natalie, Gino, Johnny, and George. You, Lord, you know what you've called them to do. Watch over them, Lord. How many of you think we need to prophetically parent our kids? There have been times the Lord showed me the heartache that my kids had. And I couldn't take it away. But I could pray. How many of you know that if you raise up good kids, they're going to have rites of passage. They're going to have speed bumps that are going to be very painful. And don't be a helicopter parent that never takes them to the cross. Be a man or woman of God and tell them, right now, honey, this is a time where you're, you need to die to yourself that Jesus Christ can be formed in you. We can, we, can, we can avoid the penalty today, but we'll lose the destiny. Or, sweetie, you've got to face the cross because all the good stuff happens when you're resurrected. The cross is never about your end. It's always about your improved new beginning. The cross was not the, 
the end for Jesus. It was, it was the launching of the man of heaven revealed who one day is going to come and say, it's over. Gather the elect from the four corners of the earth. I don't know about you, what would have happened if Jesus would have spared himself the cross? And so as we watch and pray, there are sometimes we have to tell our pastor friends, our, our friends at work, our friends in the church, our friends in Connect, no, 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 march, adelante, straight ahead, into the midst of the challenge, into the midst of sacrifice. Because at the cross of Jesus Christ, you'll find real life, or you can seek your life and fail to find the destiny that God has for you. So we pray because we're told to. And so what should we do to be consistent, honest, fervent communication with God? James 5.16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Fervent prayer. When should you pray? I like 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray continually. I don't know when to pray. We'll do it all the time, and then you won't have to worry what time. Well, when's my time of prayer? Immediately. You're three minutes behind. Get with it, right? What does that mean? It means when you're driving. Fred, when you're driving from Eagle Point out to Shady Cove, you can talk to God, can't you, buddy? And I know you do. <laughs> Everybody owning a business has to pray, especially around April 15th. <laughs> Romans 2.12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Bringing us into a conclusion, I ask the question, why did Jesus not formally teach his disciples to pray? And the answer is this. I quoted someone that I've been with a number of years myself. Prayer only works when you sincerely want to. Think of it. Well, the church is having a fast and they want me to pray. And that... that Secret church, gosh, pushy. Really? Come back here, Wesley. I'm trying to feed you. Come back here, Wesley. I don't want you to fall off that ledge. No one's going to make me pray. That's why Jesus didn't bother with trying to motivate him to pray. He went off alone. I think joy will be a mega powerful church when we learn to pray alone. And then bring your treasure together. Go into your secret place. What did you hear from God? I do that all the time with Kim. We don't sit and do family devotions, holding each other's hand, and one person monopolizes the other. You go meet with your dad. He loves you. I'll meet with my dad. And I'll know, and she'll know, because we'll hear the same thing. You take one tuning fork and you can tune all the instruments in the whole orchestra. They'll be in harmony together. That tuning fork is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why Jesus didn't, he didn't tell them how to pray because he didn't want to give them a class. So like good Pharisees, they could remember the rules. He wanted people that were so desperate some of you are desperate. You need answers right now. Now's the time to fast and pray. Now's the time to get over addictive behavior. Now's the time 
to get free from depression and oppression. But you've got to be desperate. I've got, I have to have God. I'm hungrier for the things of God than I am for the things of the world. Without passion and faith, prayer is merely powerless words. With passion and faith, it is explosive. (laughs) Go ahead and give me an amen. I think I'll still conclude. Amen. I'm preaching. And I'm talking. And I'm talking to you. Because I love you. Why do we run from God? Why do we think that the windows of heaven are going to open without us praying? We've seen some great miracles. We've seen some great things. I'm telling you something. I am so geeked right now. Totally amped out because I believe this year of 2020, we're going to see some real reaping, not just sowing. We sow all the time. I believe that some of you that you'd say, man, I'm kind of an egghead. And all my eggheads, I love you guys. But I want you to understand that you and I can talk about the properties of electricity and radio waves and we can talk about nuclear fission and we can talk about the depth of a well and what kind of strata you have to get good, clean water. I love this earth. I love science. I love mathematics. I love hearing those things. But I want to tell you something. On the other side, it's just as scientific. There's a God in heaven that could not live without you. And so he spread forth his hands and he died that you could converse with him. And we hurt the heart of God when we say, I want it one way. You talk to me. And he's saying, I want to hear your voice. I want you sometimes to fall in the carpet. I want you sometimes to hear a hymn and just break into tears when you think of the goodness of God. I want to tell you something about my fast. I am so hungry. I've gone home. I'm back to 16 years old. I'm back to where I started. Oh God. Oh God. Your kingdom is so great. Oh God. You're so good. Do you remember when you came out of darkness? Why do we, why do we enjoy walking in the, the obscurity? He sees around the corners. He loves you. He wants to hear from you. Takeaways. We've been given the model of Jesus for our example. <laughs> We have access to this pattern of prayer and multiple other examples of praying people throughout church history. But number three, only we can provide the passion to pray. Right now I'm talking to believers. 
I believe the Holy Spirit is using the words like arrows in your heart. I'm asking you, could we all go home? Could we be a march of people saying, we're coming home for family reunion? We're coming home to the day we got saved. We're coming home when we didn't have to be asked to pray. We couldn't stop it. Can I go home to the days when I used to put my Bible under my pillow? Because I couldn't imagine sleeping without God's word right there. Why is it that our tendency is to take what's good and forget the giver? I don't want to be there. I don't think you do either, do you? Right now, as, as I'm concluding this message, week after week, people come in here. Their life is just at an, at an, at an end. So many people in our culture today don't see a bright tomorrow. They're filled with depression, oppression, loaded up with sin. Even though it was taught in society, it was all okay. Something inside of you said it wasn't okay. It's destroyed me and it's destroyed others that I've practiced it with. Well, I want to tell you something. God so loved the world that he gave his son that everyone, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And so week after week when we give an opportunity, people raise their hand and say, I want in. That's all you can do. You can't pay the payment on your own. You can't die on the cross. You can't pay it forward or pay it back. All you can do is say, God, forgive me. Fill my life with your spirit. Make me your child. I'm willing, God. I want to walk with you. I want to converse back and forth with you, God. I'd like everyone to close your eyes for a moment. Bow your head. For all of you that came in this place looking for a new start, I'd like you to raise your hand and say, hey, pastor, I, I want in. I want, to, I want Jesus. I see a hand here. I see other hands. Come on, get your hands up. If you're here and you say, I want in, I want God to change my life. We want to pray with you. Hallelujah. For those of you who raised your hands, God bless you. God bless you guys. Just let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Father, I thank you that you love me, that you sent Jesus to live the perfect life and to pay the cost of sin. The cost of my sin was the crucifixion of Jesus. It required his blood and his resurrection to fully pay for my sins. You said if I would call on your name, I would be saved. Today I call on your name. You also said, if I would call on your name, I would not be ashamed. Take away my shame, oh God. I want to walk with you. I want to live with you. I want to be your child. Sin, no longer has mastery over me. I'm free in Jesus. Dear God, if you'll be my father, I'll be your child. If you'll be my Lord, 
I'll be your servant. I receive you this day. In Jesus' name, amen.